You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. In this week's show, we've got the latest tech news that matters to you. Some tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech. And we've got all the usual recommendations to finish the show. My name is Christian Corley, and with me is Gavin Phillips. Hey, Gavin. Hey, how are you doing, Christian? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very well. It's been a nice uh, bank holiday weekend here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I hear that we're going to get an extra bank holiday uh, to do with Her Majesty the Queen's uh, Jubilee or something later in the year. But I always find it weird how certainly... Anglosphere countries seem to have different bank holidays in very wild, wildly different ways. So, like here in the UK, between sort of August the thirtieth ish that weekend and December the twenty fifth, we have nothing. No, absolutely nothing at all. And then you get to springtime, and it's like bam, one after another, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And like in the US, you've got, they must have like two in the US at least. Certainly one. Yeah, they get the thanks, thanks holiday and his Labour's Day later in the year as well. I'm, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I've never heard it called thank holiday. That's good. Oh, thank holiday. <laughs> good to get the slip of the tongue out of the way early, eh? <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to start off with the news, and we've got some news about cloud gaming, and also uh, what Microsoft are planning to do with their Edge browser. We've got to look at some uh, VPN information and HDMI cables, and a few other things as well. Let's kick off with cloud gaming. Now, cloud gaming is a thing that, as a concept, has been around for ages, and more or less uh, just a couple, two or three years in practice, really. Uh, It's become more popular, but now Microsoft is saying it's hugely popular. Their uh, recent uh, earnings call has demonstrated that billions of hours have been played by uh, cloud gamers using the xbox game pass ultimate cloud feature now the thing about this is that it's what what most have done really is quite clever they haven't really made a big thing about this being cloud gaming have they in the same way that google did with stadia or nvidia have no they just sort of got on with it and didn't start using words like like you said cloud gaming and what have you they presented it as this is a new online gaming service you download it and you use it and it works and without getting into the technicalities of how it works why it works and all that sort of stuff people just go and use it and as you can see or will have heard from the numbers people really like it and that's the other thing that microsoft have done really well is like it works so well i'm not sure how much you've used uh game pass Christian, I but... have not used. I'm I'm old school. I've still got uh, games with gold. And gold. Oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> I've used it a fair bit uh, because they've done some really good introductory offers as well. Um, I think at one point I paid maybe one or two pounds, you know, or one or two dollars yeah. for a three month subscription, which is you know phenomenal for the amount of games that you have on the platform and by extension that's what also makes it so popular it doesn't have quite the same library to rival uh, steam say but you will find the most popular titles 
available to play within a very short time frame of them launching, which is obviously what people want. Absolutely. And, you know, they reveal that these 10 million users, that's 40% of the number of people that are subscribed to Xbox Game Pass, have given the cloud gaming a try. And that, that's really good. And I think that demonstrates what we've been saying, really, how, like how well integrated it is, how fuss-free it is. And, you know, Microsoft have been ahead of the game, really, with this for a while. They haven't just been doing this. They've, they've, there's the in-home streaming thing that you can do with an Xbox as well, which I that is something I have tried quite often. And I... I it's really useful if, uh, you know, you've only got one main TV and someone wants to watch TV and you want to play a game, you just load it up on the Xbox and you load up the what was called Smart Glass app on your PC or on your Android device. I'm, I'm assuming there's an iOS version of it as well. And you just carry on playing on, on another device whilst the Xbox is switched on. Something else has been done on the TV. So things like that are really, really useful. And I, that I, yeah. I haven't used the um, Microsoft one, I must admit, but I have, I've used the Steam one that yeah. does the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and making these services work properly and efficiently, because when you're in your own house, you feel like everything should be seamless, you know, but it isn't always the case. So when you turn it on and your game is just there, it does kind of feel a bit like magic, but it speaks to how much Microsoft is putting into making it feel, you know, like that, like you flick the switch and it just works. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So um, there is possibly a shortcoming. You can't use it on uh, Linux, but uh, maybe I know that there are projects in development that would uh, help anyone who isn't using Windows with that. Uh, but that is really cool. Now, Moving on, Microsoft Edge, the uh, increasingly popular browser, apparently, so I'm told, uh, <laughs> is planning to introduce third. Um, is planning to introduce a VPN, which would supposedly make third-party VPNs redundant. Um, uh, spotted by Neowin on the Microsoft support pages, uh, information about the Microsoft Edge Secure Network. Uh, which is a virtual private network or VPN built directly into the browser, something that Firefox has been doing for quite some time. Now, it does have limitations. It says that it will connect, collect a limited amount of diagnostic and support data. And the data is handled by Cloudflare, uh, Cloudflare. And there are limitations it doesn't seem as if you can select the country you want to connect from. You just hit a button and Edge handles the rest, and you can only browse one gigabyte a month using Secure Network. To me, that sounds like Microsoft are trying to get into the VPN game. Start with one it gigabyte does. of data. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, if you want more, you can buy more, and then it becomes... I mean, it just becomes another subscription service then, doesn't it? And if yeah. you already have a VPN subscription that you trust and that has been... Uh, vetted as you know actually deleting your data because you know some of them have some of them go through extensive auditing processes but we're going to get more to that in a minute aren't we yeah. um i'm always in two minds with the idea of a built-in vpn service built into your browser uh the thing with a browser vpn is that it's only protecting the data within the browser it's not extending the protection to all services incoming and outgoing on your computer so i guess if it's there and you need to use it in a pinch and you haven't hit your cap you know you can use it for stuff that's like non-sensitive i guess um otherwise i would always say you know take take purchase a separate vpn license yeah definitely i'm i'm not very 
the idea of having it in a browser is one thing, and I, you know, it's not something that I particularly like. The idea mm. of the company that makes the operating system also being in control of the VPN. Uh, alarm bells, anyone? Yeah, yeah, precisely. I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't fill me with great joy. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that looks like it's going to happen, but you can obviously make your own mind up when that comes along. In the show notes, you'll find plenty of information about VPNs. We're going to be talking more about VPNs in a moment as well. But uh, we have a great guide to make use of for the, helping you choose the best VPN, which we will include in the. Show notes. Now, of course, the idea of a free VPN might be something that's uh, making your ears perk up. After all, VPNs are really expensive, aren't they? Well, no, they're not, actually. They only cost a few pounds or a few dollars a month if you get the best deals. And uh, even with a monthly subscription, you're not paying too much in most cases. But... What is the difference between a free VPN and a paid VPN, and which one should you choose? Um, I think, I mean, it's a tricky subject. Overall, free VPN services that are worth using and they're safe, they're the ones that are essentially trials to the main VPN services, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's always a lot of information around free VPNs, aren't there? And the received wisdom for a VPN is... Uh, like with most things, you know, if you're not paying for the service, then you are the product, effectively. They're taking, or potentially taking your data, I should say, and using that to fund advertising or uh, another similar services. And the flip side is if, if you're paying for a, a VPN service, you should be able to feel that the service is geared towards protecting your privacy because you are paying for it so there's definitely a trade-off between the two yeah um i mean yeah that's that's genuinely it plenty of quote unquote free vpn services have been caught out making a profit out of the information that they've gathered from you and you know the whole point of a vpn is that it's private so that kind of defeats the object doesn't it going ahead and sign up to a free vpn that just wants your data to sell on. And, you know, you, that they're breaking that very basic level of trust right there. This, you know, they're going to tell you that they're doing it, but the clue's in the name, VPN, Virtual Private Network. And you don't know what they're going to do with the information that they've collected. You don't know if they're secretly, uh, you know, logging you. And no-log VPN is a very important thing. And it's one of the things that people who pay for VPN subscriptions, they expect no-logging multiple server connections, kill switches, unblocking capabilities that let you bypass geo-restricted content, even the ability to set up the VPN on a uh, compatible uh, home internet router. A paid VPN is going to cost you money, obviously. If you get the right deal, you could expect these days as well, because it's an increasingly competitive market, you could be paying $100 for three years' worth of vpn connectivity now uh, i haven't done the math on that i'm just going to do it right now if we call it a hundred dollars if the calculator app even opens on my computer oh right it's decided to go to the other desktop <laughs> um well i mean what is that 100 divided by 150 i mean it's not very much is it 75p a month or something week so what's that yeah about, about about eight 
pounds or eight bucks a month, eight fifty. You can get it for less than that, even. So. Oh, you definitely can get it less. That's like you said. That's a hundred for a year. But if you shop around, uh, and often if you use, uh, often if you use someone's affiliate link, actually, that's quite a good way to get a better deal. So the VPNs. Uh, advertising so much now one of the prime ways that vpns advertise is through uh you know influencers streamers product reviewers and clicking their link obviously gives a little bit of money their way yeah. as well but you can you sign up get... for express vpn through make use of and get three months free for example that's just an example of that yeah, precisely that. Yeah. And the same with things like NordVPN, you might get three months extra or the price might be cut in half for the same deal or something like that. So there's myriad ways to get a much better deal than the first one you come to um, in search results. Um, this isn't the recommendation section of the show, but are you using a VPN at the moment? I'm currently using uh, NordVPN at the moment. Yeah, I switched from... Uh, private internet access PIA a little while back or years mm -hmm. back now at this point um, and I was using ExpressVPN as well uh, and moved on from them so I think for me at the moment um, NordVPN is definitely one of the best in the game actually an yeah. article that you wrote Christian um, for a different website <laughs> but um, definitely clued me into the fact that they're definitely one of the most trustworthy services around uh, yes I also use NordVPN just to confirm that. But uh, that's, I mean, don't take that as a recommendation. Do do your research. I mean, you can take it as a recommendation, but um, do your <laughs> research before you make your own choice. Uh, absolutely don't necessarily be swayed by Gavin and I because it's purely coincidental that we're both using the same VPN. Let's going to move on now to um, oh, one of my least favorite subjects in the world <laughs> HDMI cables. Um, I have a really, really nice uh, Huawei monitor with a very, very small, narrow bezel, probably one and a half millimeter at the most on three sides. And it's a lovely monitor, flat screen. I've only had it a few months, but it only has one HDMI port and it really annoys me because there's a lot of swapping going on. And, you know, I've killed a TV in the past through HDMI swapping. So it's one of those subjects that really <laughs> grind my gears. Now, HDMI cables themselves they're part of the reason for regular swapping because they can when they stop working they're not telling you that they stop working other than they're not being a picture but they are an important aspect of home theater and media centers and there are multiple hdmi cable types and there are also different ways that they're manufactured and marketed and sold is there really any difference though gavin well interestingly there is a significant difference between HDMI cables. They come in uh, three main sort of categories. There's a standard HDMI cable, and these were the ones that sort of came out first, and they're sort of HDMI versions 1, 1 1.1 and 1.2, and they will give you 1080i, which this is important. So it's not 1080p, yeah. which is the sort of higher spec version. It's 1080i or 720p resolution, which is a a smaller resolution which might make certain films certain games look slightly grainy if you use this cable and you are used to a higher resolution standard above that you have high speed hdmi cables and this is now what the vast majority of us are using uh, these cables transmit 1080p which is the sort of standard video resolution that most of us want to view our 
uh, video content in. It makes it look crisp and fits to the screen nicely. Uh, but these ones can also transmit 4K video, which is two notches above 1080p um, at 30 hertz, which makes it look nice and crisp, um, but most people are still using these cables. Then there's also another standard above that, which is called premium high speed, which is optimized for later versions of HDMI. And this supports more, um, more video processing stuff like HDR, which can make your video look a little bit different, a bit of extra processing. Uh, and it also supports 4K at 60 hertz, with slightly higher sampling rate, which can make it look slightly better. And now you might not believe this, Christian, but there is also another level above that, no. which is, I know, can you believe it? It's called ultra high speed HDMI cable, which sounds like it could be some sort of train maybe, um, but it actually supports video up to 8K, which 8K video is obviously twice the size of a 4K video, which barely anybody is using or watching video at this rate there's obviously a few people doing it and you can sometimes find videos on youtube that are being broadcast or streamed at 8k but it uses a phenomenal amount of data and to get the best of it you need a whopping great big screen that actually supports the resolution which by and large most people most regular people just don't need that at this stage of the game but when you do upgrade to an 8k tv or an 8k monitor you're going to need an ultra high speed hdmi cable do you need a big wall as well i reckon you need a massive wall <laughs> <laughs> as the time goes on though it will be a bit like 4k monitors which did start big and now are being compressed into smaller sizes so you will end up maybe not with you know if you say you used a dual screen monitor setup you might not end up with a dual 8k monitor setup but then again you probably wouldn't need it because the monitor would be i don't know 48 inches wide or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you might have to sit two and a half meters back from your screen at all times to actually look at it but it'll be good it'll look really really good so yeah that's that is the different types of HDMI cable and obviously there are different types of HDMI connectors you probably uh, stumbled across either the mini HDMI or the micro HDMI which uh, they they seem to be kind of to, in my experience there hasn't really been any sense to use one over the other other than the size of the device although I say that I have a uh, DSLR that has a mini HDMI connector on it and I have uh, a Raspberry Pi 4 that has dual micro HDMI connectors, but I also have a I have something else that is rather large, but also has micro HDMI, which seems utterly pointless, but there you go. Uh, they, they, these are, um, it's not really a major issue with these, is there? They, they connect as any other type of cable does, and they're available in the same standards as the main HDMI port connector aren't they yeah you're absolutely right christian so the connectors may look different but they all provide the same service so what you would have to look at on your device you'd say oh i've got a uh, a mini hdmi input so that's what i need uh, and then you consider the type of video content you're going to be watching on the devices so you'd say oh, i need a mini 
a mini HDMI connector and I need bare minimum a high speed HDMI to get my 1080p or, or 4K streaming or, or what have you. And how widely used a high speed automotive HDMI cable? Should I assume that there is one behind the um, digital display in my car? I guess it depends on the how modern your car is. I know. I very much doubt mine has one, unless they're used for audio in some way. But well, mine has a touchscreen display. Ah, okay. So, yeah, I think when you have a, a more modern infotainment display like that, you would yeah. assume that there is a high-speed automotive HDMI cable. And that's a really good point, actually, that cars, like you said, they also have their own HDMI cable um, category and the HDMI cables used in cars are meant to be a little bit more robust. They're a bit more, um, they're a bit better protected against high temperatures and other extremes. So yeah, there's probably one lurking in your car. Probably indeed. And uh, thanks to Dennis Mannion sir, for that article at makeyourself.com, which you will find in the show notes along with everything else that we discuss in this week's show. You've probably heard a bit about NFTs. They've uh, been mentioned uh, repeatedly in the mainstream press over the past few months. Now, we have previously explained what NFTs are in depth in a previous really useful podcast, so I will provide a link to that in the show notes so you can refer back to that. Uh, but for a quick overview of uh, non-fungible tokens, Gavin, we now find that there are nine different types of NFTs, and... That in itself um, requires a quick overview of what an NFT is, really, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. So an NFT um, is sort of like a cryptocurrency token, but unlike a regular cryptocurrency that you would use to pay for something that can be broken down into smaller pieces, a non-fungible token is just a single unit uh, that represents something else, so which cannot be broken down into smaller pieces. So the prime example is that non-fungible tokens are typically used to represent artwork, and obviously a piece of artwork cannot be broken down into smaller pieces. So that's uh, it's called a non-fungible token. Yeah, and it can't be broken down. <laughs> So a quick overview, the different types of NFTs are nine of these. There, are, As Gavin mentions, there's art, there is music, there are video game items, trading cards and collectible items, big sports moments, memes, domain names, virtual fashion, and miscellaneous online items. Um, <laughs> there's thousands of different types of NFT. Uh, but... Now, what you will notice is that pretty much memes aside, although the, 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 the values I'm seeing attached to that section state otherwise, um, th these are commonly traded items, aren't they? Art, music, video game items. That's, I mean, that's been a big kind of uh, increase in uh, popularity over the past few years. People have made entire careers out of creating skins and characters for all sorts of games, haven't they? And the, the, oh, yeah. the, these are all money-making endeavors, aren't they, that are now available as NFTs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the big sports moments one is interesting. So the NBA, at the start of the sort of NFT craze, they were one of the first 
big organizations to go we're getting in on the ground floor here and they created the their um oh, i can't remember what it's actually called off the top of my head but anyway it's like an nft scheme where you buy clips of the most famous moments in nba history people dunking or, or whatever uh and some of these have gone for hundreds of thousands of dollars and people obsessively collect them uh, and there's the also the there was an official formula one nft based game where some people have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase the nft version of a car or a car skin for the game however last year towards the end of last year or at the start of this year the company that was uh running the game it wasn't formula one itself they'd licensed the brand they lost the licensing for f1 f1 pulled the plug on it effectively and people were out hundreds of thousands of dollars just you know your nfts are now worth nothing overnight sorry yeah it's a it's a it's a strange yeah i mean there, there's an aspect of wild westness to it isn't there really it's a with everybody trying to rush to be the next big thing and people trying to flip nfts uh, to make as much money as they can. It's uh, it's a very risky world to get involved with. Uh, at various points, we've seen research and evidence that the vast majority of NFT trading on some of the main websites is actually done by a small collective of people that are basically selling NFTs to themselves to try and increase the price of them and hoping that the next... Um, person comes along and purchases it at a way way inflated price when it's and it's worth nothing so we saw recently with um, Jack Dorsey's the former CEO of uh, Twitter sorry, the founder of Twitter sorry um, he's, he's since left but he sold his first ever tweet as an NFT for 2.8 million dollars or something to some guy who was like oh, I'm buying a good old piece of internet history here and then the guy went to resell the nft and slapped a price tag of millions upon millions on it and the highest bid he received was 200 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's difficult to know what things are worth i mean i um dabbled with nfts for an article uh last year about, around a year ago in fact and this was around the same time that uh john cleese sorry john cleese been mispronouncing his name for years um <laughs> created a doodle of the brooklyn bridge and uh slapped a 69 million dollar price tag on it with uh bidding closing on april the first you can see what he was doing there and uh so anyway i minted my own nft uh of a uh a pixelized picture of a uh, full english breakfast <laughs> which you, you can check out it's um it's available to uh purchase it's uh, it's uh, the price is uh, one f. So uh, if anyone wants to uh, have that, own that breakfast, then you can <laughs> forever memorialized. I hope it was a really good breakfast. It was an awesome breakfast. That <laughs> I uh, I have a reputation at home with my children of uh, getting rather excited about breakfasts. There was a breakfast <laughs> bun that I bought at a beautiful little boutique. Um, a, a sort of a breakfast store or food store at um, Kings Cross Station once, 
And whenever I get excited about food, my children bring it up. This particular breakfast isn't that one. This is one I had at a um, Weatherby Services on the A1M in, in England, in North Yorkshire. And it was one of those places that serves you in what looks like a frying pan. It obviously <laughs> isn't a frying pan. It's basically a plate with a handle. And, you know, they make it look like they've just cooked it in that pan and given it to you, which is obviously just nonsense. But it was an absolutely superb breakfast, which is why I photographed it. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see why, though, obviously. <laughs> it was so good, man. <laughs> so memorable. Oh, good Lord. Uh, yeah, so anyway, my um, yeah, we're on verge of turning this into Make Food Of, which is an old... <laughs> Uh, insight <laughs> joke from many years ago uh, but the, yeah that's that's the that's what's going on with nfts are very many different types of nfts and you know find more details about those on the website because it is recommendations time and gavin hasn't been on the really useful podcast for a few weeks now so i think it's only fair that he go first <laughs> thank you very much christian my pleasure uh so i'm, I'm actually going to recommend a recommend i'm going to say recommend <laughs> um a book by a famous author and sort of leading light in the world of sci-fi and uh technical writings neil stevenson who is famous for his uh, book Snow Crash, which coined many of the phrases we know today, you know, cyberspace, all that sort of stuff. Uh, his latest book is called Termination Shock, and it's sort of a a look into a potentially not too distant future where the climate has significantly changed, but not so much that the world is completely uninhabitable and people are living in different ways throughout the world and certainly low-lying countries uh, like the Netherlands are suffering the effects of rising seas. So there's a lot of sort of tech stuff in it. Uh, it's a really interesting read. It starts off super fast-paced, but then there's a lot of uh, character building. The amount of building that goes on into these characters is quite phenomenal it's you know it's a 700 page novel it is quite it is quite a work <laughs> and there's about 300 pages of character building in it so it's not it's not the easiest read i've got to say and it, but it is it is worth a read in my opinion it's a sort of a departure from some of his previous work as well it's not so heavy on the tech stuff as some of the earlier books and a lot of it is sort of rooted in you know, like I said, like a, a potentially not too distant reality that we may all all be living in together. So, yeah, that's my recommendation this week. What have you got, Christian? Well, I'm pleased to say mine's far more optimistic and fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which I've held off from uh, the, the last podcast because I thought of something different. Oh, yeah, it was fudge, wasn't it, last week? <laughs> Because, of course, it was. So, yeah, this is the long-awaited LEGO Star Wars game. This is the sort of the, the current-gen version of all the Star Wars LEGO games. And they're kind of completely remade. And there's some really interesting things in just in the basic gameplay and the characters. Some of the, the, there are, for instance, if you're fighting Darth Maul, he has almost the same attack as a, as a character from Star Wars Fallen Order. Uh -huh. Just as an example, um, so there's some very cool little Easter eggs in there like that. There's there's just so much in there. We've barely scratched the surface of it, and my son 
was thinking he's going to create an awesome YouTube video of it. Nice. I've been playing on it. And then, you know, we were playing for like three, he's got like four hours of recording. And he's, Whoa. Even, yeah, and he's even barely scratched the surface with that. So I don't know what we're going to do, how long it's going to take to record the whole lot. He's, um, yeah, he's quite excited about it. Although, having said that, in the past few days, I mean, I'm recommending this, in the past few days, he's decided to start playing um, Arkham City on the Wii U, uh, which, you know, it's a great game, but hey, why aren't you playing this? But <laughs> We've got a project to get out, son. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but I've had a play of it, and I've, I've enjoyed it a lot more. I do, I mean, there are problems with the older games, even that at the time. So it's, it's good to see... Uh, a new a, a new approach to it and we we've even only got the basic version we haven't even got the version with all the the deluxe version with all the built-in dlc and it's, so there's a ton more stuff for us to do once we've completed it so because the original uh set of games was released like ages ago now actually like really long a long ago. time ago well, they came out on the wii so yeah this is so like, like... Wii, xbox 360 ps2 Oh, I can see on... I've got it on Steam, actually. So it says, Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga released 13th of November 2009. Wow. Yeah. Long, long time ago. Long, long time ago, yeah. So um, they were, they were, they were you know, they're dying for an update, and uh, they've got it, and it definitely... Has it been worth the wait? Because it's been like two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. the, the pictures I'm seeing here, I'm just looking at some pictures. They look really cool, like really yeah. crisp. Lovely, lovely game. Yeah, they are. It, is, it is really nice. It's um, it's really good. And th I, the fact that they've integrated aspects of the other Star Wars games as well, I think is really cool. Definite recommend. So that brings <laughs> us to the end of this week's really useful podcast from makeusof.com. If we have provided you with anything useful, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share us with your friends and family on your social networks or just let us know that helps us to make sure we're going in the right direction with the show until next time from gavin phillips and myself it's goodbye <laughs>